And we are live. That's live for us anyways. And you're locked in to the Kansas City Social Hour. And I'm your humble host, Ruben Ortiz. Let's get it on. What's up, Kansas City? I hope you're having a tremendous evening as I am having a tremendous evening on the heels of Hurricane Dorian. I followed that motherfucker for a couple of weeks as we were going to take a trip to Florida. So I was monitoring the hurricane and it was as big as Florida at one point, Florida's pretty fucking big. To have a hurricane is large. The circumference of this thing could cover the entire state of Florida. It was a pretty amazing thing to witness. My thoughts are with the people of the Bahamas who were just devastated. The islands that were decimated by this immense storm. My heart reaches out to those people. And so we had planned to go see the Kansas City Chiefs down in Jacksonville, and as this thing developed, my friend Joe, Joe Lopez, shout out to him, he starts coming up with these elaborate plans of things that we're going to do, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, we're going to do all these crazy things, and what I mean by that is given the timeline that we had, I just could not foresee all of the shit that Joe had planned for us actually taking place, also given the fact that there was a hurricane headed for Florida. So how the fuck were we going to keep this schedule given those circumstances? But I I just was going to roll with the punches. Regardless, we're going to do this thing unless the flight gets canceled and we have to unbook the rooms, the car rental, whatever. Then I'm just going to roll with this. Now, this was an outstanding trip. This was a great trip. This was an amazing trip. You know, I've been on a lot of trips. This one stands out as a fucking badass trip. But I also want to say that I almost died on this trip. And I don't by any means say this lightly. There's been a couple of times that I've come near death. The most prevalent one was when I was shot with a 9mm and I almost expired. I lost a lot of blood and the location of that bullet was in a spot where I could easily have been killed. Your boy would not be here right now. And that's a fact. Now, I've been in other moments, brief car wrecks, times where gang members have held guns to me that I thought my life could possibly be in jeopardy. And it actually was. I've been fired at. But I can only think of that other time when I was like physically believing that this could be it. I felt that when I got shot, and I felt that on the island of the turtles, dry tortugas, Fort Jefferson. 
dry to let was added later to let people know that there's no fresh water on the island. Tortugas for all the beautiful sea turtles that are swimming in and around the island. Pirates used to take these turtles aboard ships, turn them on their backs, and store them as fresh meat on their voyages through the sea. You have to respect the ocean, man. Obviously. But until she slaps you in the fucking face and you really think that that bitch is going to kill you, do you realize, okay, I will never underestimate this bitch again. So let me set up how I got to the ocean in the first fucking place because I woke up in Kansas City, right? I woke up super early in Kansas City on a Thursday morning. I have to drive about 45 minutes away to pick up my man Joe who lives near the airport. From there, we have to take a flight to Orlando. Now, I woke up in the morning hearing the song J. Cole, Middle Child, playing in my head. And so I was singing it. I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something I can feel. Promise I am never letting up. And this kind of shit happens to me all the time. It's either a word or a song that's stuck in my fucking head. And so I had already packed my shit up the night before. And so I was pretty much ready to go. I have my coffee. I jump in the car. I turn on the stereo. And guess what's playing? On the radio. I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something I can feel. Promise I am never letting Nah, nah, nah. Don't make you real. Weird, but nothing too crazy. I mean, this kind of shit happens to me all the time. I always joke around that I live in the Matrix. And I really feel like the things that you focus on, the things that you are most grateful for, begin to appear in your life more and more often. And it's just some of these cool things where you just feel like there's something... There's a greater power looking out for us all. Or not. Sometimes you're on your own, bitch. So I go. We pick up Joe and David. David Ortiz. There's three Ortiz's on this trip. <laughs> How tripped out is that? Ruben Ortiz, David Ortiz, and um, Pablo Ortiz. So we pick up my man Joe and the three Ortiz's on our way to the airport. We're going to fly into Orlando. And when you look at all the cool shit that we did on this trip, a lot of people think like, oh my God, you know, like so lucky and why can't I do that? This was done on a pretty low key budget. By no means was it a cheap trip, but it could have been a lot more expensive given all the shit that we had to do on the trip. A lot of it is just grit, hardcore grinding, a lot of driving. We fly into Orlando, and then we're going to drive all the way down to Key West with a bunch of guys that I don't always hang around with. So you're balancing a lot of personalities, a lot of, I need to stop and do this. And, you know, you, you just got to roll with the punches. A lot of people, they just don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. And they don't want to get to a location early in the morning and then have to drive most of the day down to Key West. Now, what's the payoff? 
getting to visit Dry Tortugas, this beautiful island. As we're traveling down the Keys, we see iguanas, all kinds of wild shit. And by the way, all of this would have been derailed by any kind of a major storm. And so we're in the aftermath of a hurricane. So storms could be possible, almost likely. We never hit one drop of rain the entire drive from Orlando down to Key West, from Key West up to Miami, from Miami to Jacksonville, from Jacksonville back to Orlando. (laughs) That's how much we drove. Not a drop of rain. There's all kinds of wild chickens in Key West, roosters in the parking lots of grocery stores. I wake up to hearing the roosters crow, and we're up early to catch our ferry. So we're taking a ferry, a two-hour ferry, down to the remote island of Dry Tortugas. I talk about living within the Matrix. Before I went to Key West and Dry Tortugas, I... Listen to Audible all the time. Shout out to Audible. One of these days, perhaps they could be a sponsor of the show. And I listened to Audible. One of the free books that they had offered was the book Treasure Island. It's extremely well done. If you get a chance to listen to the Audible version of Treasure Island, I highly recommend it. But in that story, they reference Dry Tortugas. And I was getting pumped about the trip just listening to Treasure Island because, you know, I just thought, oh, cool, we're going to visit this remote island, you know, the pirates, there's a history there. But I didn't realize that it was actually referenced within the book. And it is, I quote, his stories were what frightened people worst of all, dreadful stories they were about hanging and walking the plank in storms at sea and dry tortugas and wild deeds in places on the Spanish main wrote Robert Louis Stevenson describing his pirate character, Long John Silva, in the fictional book Treasure Island. How's that for fucking living in the Matrix? I'm going to hit you with a little bit of Treasure Island, Long John Silva, in Billy Bones. Fifteen men of them stiff and stark. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Ten of the crew had the murder mark. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. (laughs) His stories were what frightened people worst of all. And I swear to you, well, I've seen it myself. You may sail them same waters on a calm and moonlit night when the water round that reef is still and straight as a dead man's stare and see there, amidst the wreck and the rotted spars of that long-sunk boat, the man himself, all surrounded with gold, except the gold is the gold of the coral growing rich around his bones and then glitterings in the water is but the sheen of the scales of the fish swimming about. Among them, maybe, 
The old barracuda that cleaned the flesh off them bones in the first place. Another tot of rum, Jim. <coughs> Mind, that was hardly the worst death. I saw a man die. God, I haven't told you, have I? Of Josiah Hopkirk. Made hmm? to walk the plank straight into the beak of the biggest octopus ever seen in northern waters. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. That beak, gentlemen, it did not simply bite and swallow him. It minced him, gents. Minced him! Jim? Jim? Get over here and lend a hand! Jim! Yes, Jim. Get over and lend a fucking hand. How superbly acted and... the sounds you can hear, the ocean. You can almost smell that salty air. Audible.com, get your copy of Treasure Island. It is well worth listening to. I had a great time, and it also prepared me for my trip. I wanted to do a review of Boulevard's 30th anniversary ale. Let me tell you what's in this thing. I can't do a review on this podcast because I have a slight cold. I got a cold, and I think it's going to affect my palate, so I don't want to waste that beer if I can't taste it very well. It's an imperial stout. This is a blend. Okay, It's a blend of all kinds of stuff that they had in barrels that they've blended at different percentages to get the full 30th anniversary beer that comes in this nice tube, kind of like the same tubes that they store like a fine scotch. It's a beautiful tube. I'm looking at it. It's sitting on my bar right now. I'm looking at it. Black and gold foil, 30th anniversary Boulevard Ale. Beautiful display. Now, I've been reading some mixed reviews. Some people like it. Some people don't. The price point on this thing is like $17 at the lowest that I've seen up to $24. The $24, that's getting a little bit high, but given what's in this, and I'm going to break that down here in a second, I think it's worth it. Uh, particularly when some of these barrel-aged beers come out, you know, some of them are going to be expensive just because the amount of time and effort it takes to brew these beers and store them and so on and so forth. Imperial Stout Rye Whiskey, 34%. So this is their base Imperial Rye Whiskey. Um, it's 34% that. Then they have a Dark Belgian Strong Ale in Ruby and Tawny Pork Cast. So it's a strong, the Belgian Dark Strong that they've been using as the base for a lot of their other beers like Pancakes and some of the others. So, but this is aged in a port cast, so you're going to get some of that sweet wine characteristics from that, some fruit. Then they have a dope, that's 26%. So, so with just those two offerings, we're already at 60%. So a little over half this thing is Imperial Stout and Dark Belgian Ale, Rye Whiskey and Ruby Port Casks. Then they go on and add in 16% more Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels. And another 9% of Belgian Strong, more Belgian Strong in California, Sherry cask. Okay, so Sherry, we're at 85% at this point. Roughly 50-50 Belgian Strong with 
Imperial Stout, aged in whiskey and bourbon barrels. So some of the sweeter wine stuff is with the Belgian and the bourbon whiskey stuff is with the Imperial Stout. That's already 85%. We round this whole thing off with Imperial Stout bourbon barrel 5%, Imperial Stout and Spanish Sherry Punchins at 5%. Now, I know I've already said Imperial Stout and bourbon barrels. That was the 16% earlier. That was double mashed Imperial Stout in bourbon barrels. So slightly different. It's the Imperial Stout that you're just getting a little bit more bourbon barrel while the other one was double mashed Imperial Stout. This is a little bit confusing. There's a lot here, right? There's a lot. Then there's also 3% Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels, followed by Tawny Port Cask, 3%. Belgian Dark Strong in bourbon barrels, 2%. You know, it's crazy because you're listening to this, you're probably like, what the fuck? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different barrels of beer go into this at different percentages. The vast majority, though, is Imperial Stout and Rye Whiskey, finished port casks, with that Belgian dark ale in Ruby and Tawny port casks. Listen, there's a lot there. To me, it sounds delicious, okay? And I can already tell when you're putting this much belgian dark strong ale some of the viscosity is going to go down it's not going to be as thick to me in my opinion and it's going to be very sweet i can tell just by this that it's going to be a thinner offering thinner is relative too i'm talking thin as compared to what you would find with bourbon county stout some of those stouts that are just pure stout you're not mixing in a belgian strong you know and and some belgian strongs are, are pretty thick too I just have a feeling that this isn't going to be as viscous because you're blending in some of that Belgian strong, and I'm familiar with that one from Boulevard. I'm also familiar with the Imperial Stout, which is at times can be viscous, but when you're blending it with some of this other stuff, I can tell that it won't be. That's fine with me. I think this is, a, based off what I'm seeing here, a delicious sweet beer. I really wish I could taste it and get into it because it's been taking a little bit of shit. I think that it's just not certain people's jam it's not your jam uh at this point if you're not familiar with what boulevard is offering from their belgian strong ales and their imperial stout if you don't know what that is at this point then i really don't know what to say to you they've had so many of these beers come out so many different variants of this beer come out you should be pretty fucking familiar with the Belgian Strong Ale category and all the different variants that they've released on it and the Imperial Stout. So there's no, there's no fucking secret here. The unique thing about these is the blend and the different shit that they're trying, right? Port barrels for the sweetness and bourbon barrels for a lot of the spiciness and the robustness and hopefully a little bit of a chewy factor in there. So... Beyond that, I don't know what people were expecting. This thing is 12.5% ABV. IBUs are at 25. And <clears throat> this is available on draft and 750 milliliter bombers. I need to take a little break. I'm going to grab some rum, some Dorley's rum. And I will come back and I will tell you the story of how I almost died on the island of the turtles dry tortugas coming back in a minute y'all let's take a little break i'll leave you with this jam and i'll catch you in a little bit let's do it when you 
I am back sipping on a little Doralee's Barbados rum. Like I said, I'm not feeling too hot right now, so I don't work out. I don't have work tomorrow. I don't work out when I'm sick. I don't have work. I've been keeping on the diet, but I'm going to have a little Barbados Doralee's aged eight year rum. It's got a nice parrot on it. And rum is the perfect drink to tell you the story of how I almost died on dry Tortugas Island, Fort Jefferson. Fort Jefferson has a wild history. You could check it all out. Google Fort Jefferson and the history of it. Basically, it's become a fortress. It was an island. Pirates used to frequent it. All kinds of shipwrecks happened near it because of the coral reefs that are there and the sandbars. And so something like 250 documented shipwrecks in the area. Lots of pirate booty and emeralds and gold and diamonds have went down in those waters. It's a really wild place. It was a prison for a while. Hundreds of prisoners were kept there and lots of people have lost their lives on the island. So it's got this rich history, somewhat of a creepy history. You could camp out on the shores. So you leave Key West and you could take either a seaplane or a ferry and out to the island. It's about a two-hour ferry ride, which is what we did. I rode on the front. I believe it's the bow of the ship because I wanted to see the island when it came into view. Just, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio style, arms out, doing it. We had planned to snorkel when we got on the island. And so I signed the waivers, all that bullshit. They didn't tell us anything about the snorkeling, anything about our level of snorkeling. I had never done it before. I just want to emphasize one thing. I am not any kind of a risk taker. Not that snorkeling is a risk taking endeavor. But oddly enough, I looked it up afterwards. Number one cause of tourist death in Hawaii is snorkeling. It's probably that high in other places. Probably because it appears so safe. And I think for the most part, it is a safe activity. But I want to make the point that even though it's a safe activity, you can do wild shit to get yourself in trouble. I'm not the type of person that does those kinds of things. I'm just not. I'm not a big risk taker. Ever since I've been shot, I lived in the hood. I survived a lot of bullshit. The last thing I want to fucking do is die in the middle of the ocean snorkeling. Okay? Even maybe some more cooler shit like deep sea diving. I could fucking justify the death. But snorkeling just does not sound like the way I want to go out. I don't want to go out, period. So we get on the island. We get all the snorkeling equipment. Again, we're not given any kind of spiel, nothing. So first off, two things go really right in my favor. One is my fitness level. And for those guys that know I've been on a fitness kick lately, that have been listening to a podcast, been seeing my posts, I've been working out and I've been reducing my weight. I attribute that to what saved my life in this case. That's the second time that fitness has saved my life. The first time was when I got shot. I believe that uh, the bench press in particular is what saved me from uh, being killed in that instance. I used to be a really skinny, scrawny kid, and every time I bench press, I would feel a little crack in my sternum, and I'd have pain in my sternum, you know, getting that weight off of my chest, and it is common knowledge that you can build up bone density 
with build bone density with working out with heavy weights. And so I think I built a little bit of bone density in my sternum. And so when that nine millimeter bullet hit that, it was just enough to deflect it away from my heart, through my lung and out my back. And so I attribute that strength and conditioning to helping deflect that bullet. I know it sounds crazy. That's what I truly believe. And in this instance, I think my fitness level and the reduced weight and not drinking alcohol is what also saved my life in this case. So here's what goes wrong. As soon as we come out, we meet a tour guide who tells us something that I misinterpreted. He said, if you go around the island in five minutes, you're going to miss everything. And he was talking about snorkeling first. So in my mind, I'm thinking it takes people like five minutes to get around the island. I know that sounds stupid. But I, I thought he was exaggerating. But he was saying it like that going around the island snorkeling isn't a big deal. You got to remember, I've never snorkeled before. So immediately I have an inaccurate view of what it takes to snorkel this island. I've taken what he said wrong. That's my fault. All this is on my bad. I'm not blaming anybody. So then the second thing that goes wrong is that we go to the beach and I get all the equipment on and I immediately go into the water because I think we don't have that much time before we got to get on the ferry and go back. It's hours and hours, but I still feel like I want to get the most out of it. I get into the water and for whatever reason, I take to snorkeling very well. I've never done it before. I figure out how to breathe through the apparatus fairly quickly. I learn how to use my flippers really fast. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm kind of like a natural at this shit. I get going. I'm trucking. It's like riding a bike. I'm going through the water just very easily, and I go around this area, around and through it. I'm actually swimming through this area that's near a concrete slab and metal pilings that are in the water that are all the remains of a massive coal warehouse that was constructed in 1898. So this is all submerged, and all this coral and fish are living in between these massive wood and iron foundations that are submerged in the water and the fish have been living in there and the coral are in there so i'm seeing all kinds of amazing beautiful stuff again i've never snorkeled before so when you see these beautiful silver fish the blue the yellow the striped fish the coral that looks like brains and it's just it's just beautiful and i'm thinking wow this is incredible man and i'm doing so well that i'm coming i make it through all of this the entire remains of this coal warehouse. And this is where I think the things that have went wrong are all coming together. The first one, I have an inaccurate view of how easy it is to navigate the entire island. Two, I took to snorkeling a little too well. I feel like if I'd have had some initial trouble with it, I wouldn't have been so confident. And three, I saw all this cool shit very rapidly. And this is without any kind of a mechanical assist. I know some snorkeling have a little motor that takes you around. I didn't have that. This is all just by the power of my arms and the fins, which I've never used before either. Fins are fucking remarkable. They just help you truck through the water so easy. It's like riding a bike. So those are the things that went wrong so far. Have an inaccurate view of the way you were supposed to navigate through this water. It happened a little bit too easy for me. And I've seen all kinds of cool shit. So I'm going to get into the 
fucking, what is this, the fourth thing that went wrong, I come out, out of the water, because I come out on this part, I don't want to go near the boat, I think they told us not to go near the ferry, so I think that's one good thing that I did, I come out onto the beach, and I've missed all my friends, I don't know where Joe is, I don't know where Pablo is, I don't know where David is, I walk back towards the beach, I see Dave there, and Dave says, yeah, they went that way, he points to the opposite end of the beach, so I'm thinking in my head, oh, fuck, I'm going to miss all kinds of cool shit. These guys have went to go see the cool shit. You know, um, Joe has already been to the island. And apparently it takes five minutes to get around it. I didn't think it took five minutes. But again, I thought maybe he was exaggerating. I thought 20 minutes, which is still fucking ridiculous, right? I, I fucking have no idea what I'm talking I just think if I'm doing this while snorkeling, these motherfuckers must be masters. So I take off to the right side of the beach following them, who I think I'm following them. And this is where shit gets dicey. Because Fort Jefferson is a fortress. You got to understand this was built as a prison. And it's surrounded by a huge seawall. This wall was meant to protect the overall island. And also, I think at some point to keep prisoners from fucking escaping. And this is not in my head at the time, but it comes into play a little bit later. It's surrounded by a giant brick seawall. So you got to picture an island that's almost all fortress, like a fucking castle made out of bricks on top of this sandy beach. The beach is only visible on two parts of the island. The rest is just fucking brick. It's the majority of the island is covered in brick, the out perimeter of it. And definitely the outside of the island is completely surrounded by a seawall, except for where the seaplane and the ferry have access. So I start swimming toward the seawall, like the part of it and around it, toward and around it. And I'm just trucking along, man. I'm doing really well. I'm swimming. I'm swimming. I think I'm keeping sight of where I need to be. And I start noticing all kinds of cool shit. I'm just biking along. There's not as much cool shit as I saw before. So I'm getting more antsy. Oh, I'm missing things. I'm missing things. So I keep trucking along, trucking along. I know. A lot of you guys are shaking your fucking head. What a fucking idiot. I know. I know. I'm a fucking idiot. Doesn't change the fact that I'm about to get myself in some serious shit. So I creep on. I keep going. I keep going. I think other advanced snorkelers have went this way. I think you can, I found out later on that you can follow the actual seawall and you could see all kinds of cool shit there. But I was going away from the wall. I didn't notice how far I was going away from the beach and away from the wall. You can get lost in this thing, especially if you're by yourself. You're just trucking along and, you know, at one point I go, oh my God, okay, I got to look up. I look up and I guess I had been doing this for a while because I was past where the fuck you, they have these markers that say, don't go past this point. Okay. I was a little bit past that point and I was swimming away from the island. Okay. And I had been swimming for a while, you know, and I remember thinking, okay, you don't, don't panic because I legit wanted to panic. And I thought, okay, we got to swim back where we came from. So I start going a little bit ways, like, okay, I'm going to go back that way. The water will get shallow again, because right now, 
it's not shallow. You can't stand up in this shit. You're just going to sink. And I don't have any kind of a life vest on. That's another fucking mistake. I think you can have like these legit little life vests. I, I have nothing. And I'm not even that great of a fucking swimmer. I know. I put myself in a dumbass situation. I'm not with anyone. And I'm by myself without a life vest. And I'm not even that great of a fucking swimmer. And I'm way off where I should be. And there's nobody around me. And no one gives a fuck. Because it, it says it everywhere. Swim at your own risk. There's no lifeguard out here. You're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. No one is looking out for you but your fucking self. So... I think, okay, I'm going to swim back to where I can touch the ground again near the beach. And, and I start swimming and swimming. And I start getting tired. And I remember, bro, you've been swimming for a while. It's too far. You are not going to make it back to the beach. If you try to make it back to the beach, you're going to fucking drown out here. Boom. Instantly, you have to fight back panic. Because anyone knows... If you're a wrestler or you're a fighter, and I've been a wrestler and I've been in some fights, the quickest way for you to lose your win is to panic. I legit wanted to panic. I'm not going to lie. But I was cool about it. I was like, okay, use the snorkel a little bit. And when you're this far out, it's not just about win, man. It's not just about win, which you would think, you know, well, just try to float, you know, get some air. Bullshit, man. Once you've been working that hard in the water, there comes a point where you can't fucking float no more, bro. If you don't have a life vest on, you have to keep treading water in order to stay up. God damn it. It takes a lot of energy. So I go, okay, I can't swim to the beach. My only other option is to swim toward the sea wall, that big ass sea wall. And it's far away, but I think it's closer than the beach. The only thing that enters my head at that point is like, what if when I make it to the wall, because I know it's going to take a lot of energy, I know how far it is, and I'm already fucking tired. What if when I make it to the seawall, you can't climb it? Because in my head, this is a prison. It was meant to keep motherfuckers out. How am I going to fucking scale the wall? There's no fucking choice, though. I got to swim to the fucking wall, and I got to find a way to get up that bitch. Boom, boom, boom. I start swimming like a motherfucker towards that seawall, and that might have been a mistake. I think I may have even panicked in that moment. When I was swimming so fast, it was because I was afraid of running out of air. I had to give it a boost, but I do think I, I wore myself out, so I'm about 10 feet away from the seawall. I could see it. And I'm just exhausted, man. And I could feel myself like, and I start trying to float a little bit to get some air because I'm so spent at that point and I'm kind of sinking a little bit. I need some air so I could finish the last leg of this fucking trip to the wall. And that's when it hit me like, I could legit die out here, man. It hit me briefly earlier when I, when I was thinking about it, but now it was really striking me, you know, like okay, you're pretty exhausted right now. If, if and when you get to this wall, if you're not able to scale it, I don't know what the fuck is left at that point. I didn't have a plan B. I don't know what's left. And so I just start thinking about my kids and my wife and how fucking stupid I am and how they're not going to understand. 
They're not going to fucking understand why I didn't come home on this fucking vacation that I'm on. They're just not going to get it. Why didn't I try harder? Why, why did I die so stupidly? You know, and I'm not the guy that, that does these kinds of things. So it, it made me legit sad, you know, and I started thinking of like all the creepy shit that this place has seen. This place has seen death. There's people that have drowned out here. There's people that have drowned. I looked it up later, but I didn't know it at the time. There's people that drowned on that same ferry snorkeling out there. But there's definitely been people that have just died on that island. It's a creepy ass island as much as it is beautiful. And that's what I mean. Like, you got to respect the ocean, man. She's a beautiful woman or she's a bad bitch. And when she was, when those waves, uh, other thing was the waves were really strong because, again, we're in the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. So the waves were choppy that day. You know, there wasn't the best snorkeling conditions. There, there was, uh, it was a little hazy in the water and then the waves were really choppy. So I'm getting my ass whooped by this bitch. And I'm just like, finally make it to the fucking wall and I'm clinging to it. And a piece of the brick comes off, like breaks off. And I noticed that there's gaps. There's a gap in it. And I, what I figured out later on was there's actually gaps in the seawall that they had put bridges on. And I don't know if they put the gaps in for snorkelers or what, but that fucking gap, I'm, I made it to the middle of that gap and there was this slimy piece of wood near it that I was trying to sit on. It was before I got to the gap in there and I, I was slipping on it, slipping. I actually cut my uh, shin trying to scale the wall and I pulled myself up on that slimy stump and I sat there and I was so tired. But I felt like, fuck, 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 you know. I may have made it. I still wasn't 100%. I was in flight or flight, uh, fight or flight at that point. I had adrenaline rushing through me. And so I still wasn't 100% certain that I was safe. Pulled myself into the gap. And then there was a piece of wood that I used as a ladder to pull myself up onto the seawall. Once I made it to the top of the seawall, I knew I was safe. And I just fucking laid down on that bitch. I laid down for probably like 10 minutes, just breathing, looking up at the sky, happy to be alive. And it's weird because I thought, what what happens now? Does like a boat come and like rescue me? <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck that I was out there. It would have took them. They wouldn't have realized that I had expired until they were trying to load up the boat and I didn't get on. God, how fucking shitty would that have been, man? Fuck, man. I'd have ruined everybody's fucking trip. I'd have ruined my family's life. Jeez, what an asshole. So I laid there, and then I actually just started walking around the entire seawall all the way back to the beach. I'd have to climb into a gap, back up the ladder, and, and across. And as I started getting closer and closer, I started seeing people, and they're like, Hey, did you see anything cool? Yeah, I saw some cool shit. Whatever, bitch. I just ignored him. Kept walking. And that is how your boy almost died on dry Tortuga Island. Island of the Turtles may have been my last gasp. But I'm still here, bitches, and you're still here. And I'm glad to still be talking to you. And I'm going to push this thing to the motherfucking limit. 
Let's take another break, listen to some music, come back. I'll give you my take on seeing the Royals, the Chiefs, and I don't know what else we'll talk about, but we'll wrap this bitch up and I will catch you on the motherfucking flip side. Let's take a little break and be right back. I was much more masculine, maybe then I could learn to swim like 18 miles away. Now floating up and down, I spin colliding into sound like whales beneath me diving down. I'm sinking to the bottom of my everything that freaks me out. The lighthouse beam has just run out. I'm cold as cold as cold can be. Be. After all of that, we make it back to Key West, and in the morning, we head out to Miami to catch the Royals. And it just so happens to be Mexican Heritage Night. We had a really good time. The Royals actually pull out a win, 7-2. to Not a whole lot to talk about the Kansas City Royals. It was just cool to see a game in Miami, watch the fireworks at the end of the game, And then we had to go all the way down to Jacksonville. Stayed with my man's uncle. Love talking to that dude. Uh, Jeremiah and all the beautiful plants that he has growing. The beautiful limes. The banana trees. Rosemary. This guy is an amazing horticulturalist. I think that's the proper name for it. Whatever he's doing. Also, amazing chilies. You know, he's got... All the crazy bomba, like the really hot chiles, the habanero, the purple habanero. So it's just an amazing place. We go watch the Chiefs. Oh my God, after a hurricane, the heat can really get stifling. If it's a hot day, the humidity is crazy. So they were projecting that it was like 120 degrees field conditions. We're right there by the field, so we're catching the brunt of it. Super hot fucking day. I burned my nose. It was just craziness. And the Chiefs, they were on full display. Awesome fucking display of offense. I think the defense has gotten a little bit better. This game is kind of hard to gauge how good the Chiefs are because the quarterback, the Jacksonville quarterback, Nick Foles, is out and he left the game fairly early. So, it's hard to judge how close this game could have actually be, been. So how good are the Chiefs? They look pretty fucking good on offense. They need to tighten up a few things. Of course, Tyreek Hill sustained an injury, so he'll most likely be out for a little bit. And I think the true test of this team is going to be against the Raiders. So at the Raiders, not that the Raiders are such a great fucking team, but they had a really good display against the 
the Denver Broncos. I know the Denver Broncos are in a rebuilding period, but still defensively, you can't ever count that team out usually. But uh, those Raiders stomped the shit out of them. And then we stomped the shit out of the Jaguars. So this sets up real nicely to let us know where the team really is at. And I tell you, man, Travis Kelsey looked really good. Patrick Mahomes looked really good. So we just got to see how the team adjusts to losing Tyreek Hill and if the defense can continue to get steadily better. And this is going to be a true test coming up Raiders week. Let's go Chiefs. So then after the game, we tailgated before the game. And then after the game, went back to my man's uncle's house, Jeremiah, his wife, cooked a beautiful meal. We woke up the next day and headed out back to Orlando and then home. I dropped the guys off, jump in the G-Ride to head back towards my house, and this song comes on. I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something I can feel. Promise I am never letting up. Money in your phone don't make you real. Because <laughs> I live in the Matrix, bitch. I just want to give a shout out to my man, Joe Lopez, for all the work that he did, all the driving that he did. Shout out to his uncle and his aunt and his cousins. And shout out to Pablo. Shout out to my man, David Ortiz. We did this shit, man. We did it like a motherfucker. And your boy's still alive up in this bitch, man. I'm going to continue sipping on my Barbados rum. Holla at your boy. Let people know about the podcast. And I will catch you. On the motherfucking flip side. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I wanna take ya. Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama. Key Largo, Montego, baby, why don't we go? Jamaica, off the floor of the Keys. There's a place called Kokomo. That's where you wanna go to get away from it all. Bodies in the sand. Drop the cocaine melting in your hand. We'll be falling in love to the rhythm of the steel drum band. Down in Coca-Cola. Martinique, that Montserrat mystique. <laughs>
It's about to be late.